I don't know about you, but I am so glad to be saved. How about y'all? I want you to take your Bibles tonight and turn with me to Romans chapter number 10. Romans chapter number 10. I was going to, uh, I say I was going to, Brother Travis was scheduled to to speak tonight. Uh, I was supposed to be preaching in Tennessee, uh, right there on the Georgia line uh, with Brother Chris O'Neill, but he's got covid and, and so we need to be praying for him. They canceled that meeting. And so I was able to be here tonight, but I was still going to let him, him speak and give me a little break. Uh, but yesterday I was, I was walking and, and trying to exercise a little bit and, 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 uh, taking care of myself, trying to do what the doctor's been telling me to do. And I was listening to a podcast, brother Dave Gibson, the gentleman that helped us with our, our evangelism training. And he made a statement that just just, I couldn't shake. I just kept thinking about it and thinking about it and thinking about it. And, 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 and I couldn't get it off my mind. And so I started working on it. And about halfway through the day, I text brother Travis and asked him if it wouldn't bother him, if he'd let me go ahead and speak tonight, because I truly want to help you with this. And I think this is something that we all need to hear and will help us tonight. Uh, so Lord's willing, we'll, we'll, we'll let Travis, uh, speak on another night. So, so I, I think, I truly believe that, that God has something for all of us to hear. It's really important. So if we can just, uh, say amen right there, uh, we'll get going. All right. Romans chapter number 10 and verse one, we're just going to read one verse and pray Romans chapter number 10 and verse number one. Let's all read together. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. Let's all read again. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. All right, let's pray. Lord, you know what we need. You know what we need as a, as a church. You know what we need as an individual disciple. As a follower of Christ, uh, you know what our community needs. And Lord, you know what our community needs from the church. And Lord, I pray that you'll speak to our hearts tonight. I pray that you'll open our eyes and just let us spend some time in your word as you, you speak to us. I pray, God, that you'll encourage all those that are discouraged. I pray that you'll challenge those that need convicting. I pray, God, that you will just do whatever's necessary for us to be in your perfect will. Lord, be with all those that are sick. We know that's going around and we're in a, we're in a, we're in a, a, a time of difficulty and a time of trial right now. But I know this did not take you by surprise. I know in God's word, it says that these things are going to come to pass. But Lord, it just means you're near coming to receive us than you've ever been before. And God, we trust that and we know that and we have our hope in you. And I pray God that you'll help me now. I need your direction. I need your guidance. Lord, I need the Holy Spirit to give me an unction. I pray that you'll give me the words I need to say. Don't let me forget anything and don't let me say anything out of the way. Lord, help me to be right in line with what your perfect will is for us to hear tonight. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. I was, I was looking at some numbers and uh, statistics uh, dealing with this. You know this has been on my heart for several weeks now uh, about personal evangelism, about God's children sharing their faith and, and, and witnessing to others. And the study was conducted by Lifeway Research, and, and this is what they found. 
80% of those who attend church one or more times a month. Now, one or more times a month is, is the bare minimum. I mean, the bare minimum of, of being, you know, whatever a Christian I think should be. I mean, I'm, I'm the type that uh, I think you need to be there every time the doors are open. Well, that was weak. We have some one-a-timers in here tonight. Amen. I, I think if you, ha- if you can be in the house of God when the doors are open, you need to be there. Don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together, amen, especially now, especially what we're going through now. But this is, this is the very, uh, I guess the least faithful group in the church. He says 80% of those who attend church at least. So it's getting all of them, right? Uh, that they believe that they have a personal responsibility to share their faith. So no matter if you uh, attend every service or at least once a month, You believe that it is your responsibility to share your faith. Yet despite this conviction, 61% have not told another person about how to become a Christian in the previous six months. Now, I personally believe that number is exaggerated. I believe it's higher than that. But in the the survey, 61% said they have not told another person about how to become a Christian in the previous six months. Three quarters of churchgoers say they feel comfortable in their ability to effectively communicate the gospel. In other words, they feel like if they had the opportunity, they would be able to do it. But while 12% say they don't feel comfortable telling others about their faith, the survey also asked how many times they have personally invited an unchurched person to attend a church service or some other program at your church. This is not going in the depth of sharing your faith or sharing the gospel. It's just inviting somebody to church or program. Nearly half, 48% of church attendees responded zero. 48%. 33% of people say they personally invited someone one or two times. And 19% say they've done so on three or more occasions in the last six months. If Christians feel comfortable sharing their faith and recognize it's a responsibility as disciples, why do so few share the gospel? Why don't they at least pray for others? One-fifth, 20%, say they rarely or never pray for the spiritual status of others. They survey, the survey included American adults who attend a Protestant church at least once a month or more. There is a epidemic of, of Christians who, who either, uh, greatly struggle or do not share their faith. Now there's no doubt. There's no doubt in America today that we are, uh, uh, we are in a situation where the church is plateaued or dying. And when I say the church, I'm talking about uh, across America, all the, the, the Bible-believing uh, congregations, all those that have gathered together, and they're either plateaued or dying. Churches are closing, uh, pastors are quitting, and, and, and it's, it seems to be getting worse. And it was already going that direction before COVID. So we can't blame COVID on that. It was already in that kind of position, in that kind of shape. And, and I believe one of the biggest problems, one of the biggest problems is we're not sharing our faith. I am seeing people and, and, and finding people that are open about 
the gospel. They're open about, they're looking for even now, now people are searching for what's real and searching for hope more now than anything because of the pandemic and what's going on. But we're not sharing. We're not evangelizing. We're not witnessing. We're not sharing what God has done for us. Now, I I was listening to this podcast yesterday and I'm going to get to where I was going. Uh, and, and I, I have, I have a survey here that tells, you know, what, what amounts to fear, you know, some 22% said it was because of fear. I'm afraid, uh, to mess it up or I'm afraid of rejection. And and it has this whole list of things. But when we were in Minnesota, when we were in Minnesota, I was, I was encouraging some of the training centers up there and some of the, the, the pastors up there. And I said this, I said, uh, listen guys, and we were encouraging them from what we learned about uh, what you do before you leave home. In other words, you're praying for Bob. Say that with me. Praying for, Bob. praying for Bob. Y'all remember what Bob is, right? We're praying for a burden, praying for an opportunity and praying for boldness, right? Burden, opportunity, and boldness. And, and I made this statement. I made this statement. I said, listen guys, true evangelism begins before you ever leave home. Before you ever leave home. Before you ever step foot in the yard, before you ever crank up your car, before you ever get to the place where the sinners are you want to witness to, it begins at home with prayer. The Bible says we are to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We've learned this in the last few weeks. God told the disciples, do not leave Jerusalem till you are endued with power. He gives them a command. He gives them a commission. He tells them to go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. But he said, before you go, get the Holy Ghost. Before you go, you're going to need the power of the Holy Spirit. And so we prayed and we said, listen, you need to pray to be filled with the Holy Spirit before you ever leave home. And I was kind of proud of that statement. I really was. I thought about that all the way home. I said, man, I need to, I need to be sharing. I need to be sharing this with our people that evangelism, true evangelism begins before you ever leave home. Man, I was walking in the parking lot yesterday and it was like 150,000 degrees outside. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? I had sweat. I had these big old muff ear, ear, ear things on and I had sweat rolling off of me. And he said this, he said this, Dave Gibson was being interviewed by a guy and he was talking, he was bringing up all these statistics and, and saying, what is the problem? What is the problem with, with, with Christians today? Why is there such a problem with evangelizing and why are Christians not sharing their faith? And this is what he said. He said, it is a heart problem. It is a heart problem. And man, I just stopped. I just stopped and, and I was listening. It's a heart problem. Everything begins with the heart. The Bible says out of the heart come the issues of life. And man, I begin to, I begin to contemplate on that and contemplate on that and contemplate on that and contemplate on that and think and think and think. And I just, I couldn't help it. I, I, I got to my office and I started, I started looking up verses and I, I started putting things together and, 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 and what time Travis about 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock. I said, brother Travis, I, I hope you're not going to be mad, but I, I really need to share what God's put on my heart tonight because this is so important. Because what I told them up there, it was kind of wrong or maybe not completely accurate. It does start before you ever leave home, but it starts in the heart. It starts in the heart. And so I want to share just a few things. We may be 
We may be very brief tonight. I don't know how this is going to turn out. And it may seem like I'm scatterbrained tonight, but I promise you, I promise you we're going to get somewhere. Uh, it may seem like we're all over the map, but I promise you it's going to make sense in the end. So how many of y'all, how many of y'all love me? <clears throat> how many of y'all trust me? <clears throat> all right. At least lie. Okay. At least, uh, how many of y'all believe we're going to go somewhere with this? Okay. All right. That makes me feel a lot better. Okay. Now let's do this. Let's do this. Uh, how many of y'all, how many of y'all like old hymns? Anybody like old hymns like your preacher does? How many of y'all have ever heard the old hymn, is thy heart right with God? Amen. Is thy heart right with God? As we go back to this verse, as we go back to this verse, let's look at, let's look what uh, Paul says. Brethren, my what? Hearts. Let's, oh, don't get excited. Don't get slow down. You ready? Brethren, my Hearts desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. Now we're going to, we're going to read a verse in just a minute that Paul tells you how intense that desire was and how serious he was about that, that he said he could wish his own self to be cast into hell. If it meant that all of his brethren could be saved, he could wish himself accursed if it meant the salvation. That's how serious he was about it. That's how serious his heart's desire was in this matter. And sometimes we got to check our hearts. You know, we got to check our hearts. Um, there's a verse in the Bible that says that our heart is deceitfully wicked. It is, it is deceitful. It, it, in other words, it'll trick you. Sometimes, what, how many of y'all have ever heard people say this? How many of y'all have ever heard people say, well, the Lord knows my heart. I mean well, but the Lord knows my heart. I may say a few bad words, but the Lord knows my heart. Well, he, he knows your heart. The Bible says out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Ooh, it's quiet. Right? And sometimes we think our heart is in the right place when really it's not. We think our heart is the way it should be when really it might not be. So let's look at this, this song. Look at the words. Have thy affections been nailed to the cross? Is thy heart right with God? Dost thou count all things for Jesus but loss? Is thy heart right with God? In other words, is Jesus first in your life? Is thy heart right with God? Washed in the crimson flood. This is the chorus. Cleansed and made holy, humble and lowly. Right in the sight of God. Hast thou dominion or self and or sin? Is thy heart right with God? Overall, evil without and within, is thy heart right with God? Is there no more condemnation for sin? Is thy heart right with God? Does Jesus rule in the temple within? Is thy heart right with God? Are all thy powers under Jesus' control? Is thy heart right with God? Does he at each moment abide in thy soul? Is thy heart right with God? Listen, I want to I want to fill in a few things right here. Let's look at a couple verses before we get into uh, the main body of the outline. Let's read Romans nine, Romans nine, one through three. And let's let's just see. Preacher, how do I know my heart? How do I know my heart? How do I know where my heart is? Maybe that's a better way to put it. How do I know where my heart is? Boy, he really put his heart into it or boy, he has a heart for football or whatever it might be. Where is our heart? How can we determine, how can we determine if our heart is right with God? How can we determine if our heart is where it needs to be? Look at this, look at this. 
Romans 9, 1 through 3. We're going to ask four questions. <clears throat> here's, here's what it says. Romans 9, 1 through 3 says, I say the truth in Christ. I lie not. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost that I have a great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart. In other words, he has a great burden, a great aching, a hurting, a sorrow in his heart. Watch what he says. For I could wish that myself were a curse from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. Now, here's a question. Here's a question. When it comes to what is it that bothers you the most? What is it that bothers you the most? Paul is saying, when I think about my brethren that are lost, when I think about those who don't know Jesus as their savior, when I think about the people that are going to die and go to hell, he said, I have a great sorrow, a great heaviness of heart. It bothers me. Man, it bothers me when I see people lost. It bothers me when I see unbelievers. It bothers me when I see the wickedness of sin. He says, it bothers me. It breaks my heart. Let me ask you a question. What bothers you the most? Is it politics? Is it, is it what's happening in our culture today? Is it ha- what's happening in our country today? Uh, what is it that bothers you the most? Because that might be where your heart is. That might be where your focus is. What is it that bothers you? What is it bothers you the most? Look at the next verse. <clears throat> Look at the next verse. Proverbs 23, 7. Proverbs 23, 7. For as he, come on everybody. For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Not just what bothers you the most, but what do you think about the most? What do you think about the most? What consumes your thought life. What consumes your thought life? Man, there was a time, there was a time when every waking minute I thought about golf. I did. I, I, when I was a junior in high school, first time I ever picked up a golf club in my life, I was a junior in high school. Uh, our carpentry teacher was the golf coach in the golf or the carpentry shop. Right behind it was the soccer field and, and, and shop was a two hour class and we hit golf balls on the soccer field every day. And, and I joined the golf team. I loved it so much. I went and got a job at a golf course so I could play for free. Say amen. I may not look too sharp, but I'm smarter than your average bear. And I thought about it all the time. I wanted to play all the time. And I basically did all the time as much as I could. When I wasn't playing golf, I was thinking about playing golf. Man, it's been that way times in my life. Uh, whether it might be coon hunting. If I wasn't thinking about coon dogs, I was thinking about puppies or where I could go coon hunting. Somebody say, amen. Don't leave me hanging up here. People don't act like y'all so holy. You think about Jesus all the time. Do I have a witness? Where's your heart at? What do you think about all the time? What consumes your mind? What consumes your thinking? It possibly could be where your heart is. Listen, what bothers you the most? That might be where your heart is. What do you think about the most? That might be where your heart is. Luke 12, 34. <clears throat> Luke 12, 34. For where your treasure is, there will, say it with me. Uh-oh. Let's all read it together. Let's all read it together. Luke, Luke 12, 34. Let's read. For... 
Let me ask you a question. What do you value the most? What's the most valuable thing to you? Oh, it's my children or my grandchildren. That's not a good thing. It's my spouse. That's not a good thing. Jesus said, unless a man hate his father, his mother, his sister's brother, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. If anything but Christ is more valuable to you than you're following him, it can become an idol. What do you value the most? It might be. No, it's not a might. It's where your heart is. For where your treasure is. And the word treasure there means valuable. What you value. It's not always money. You can be money. It can be, it can be uh, uh, material things, but it could be people. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be. Now, we're just asking questions. We're just, we're just interrogating. We're at the doctor's office right now. We're seeing if you've got a heart problem. Are y'all with me? What happens when you go to the doctor and you sit down and he walks in the room? What's he start doing? Asking questions, asking questions. What about this? What about that? That's what we're doing. We're, 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 uh, is there any technical term for that? You nurses in here? What is it? Okay. Investigating. That's all I can take. All right. We're going to, we're going to find out what bothers us the most. What do you think about the most? What is the most valuable to you? Luke six forty five, And, and this is going to, I'm going to use these next two verses to kind of prove what I'm talking about. Luke 6, 45, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart, bringeth forth that which is good. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart, bringeth forth that which is evil. Now let's all read together. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaketh. Let's say it again. For of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaketh. Let me ask you a question. What do you talk about the most? What do you talk about the most? Talk about golfing? Do you talk about coon hunting? Do you talk about shopping? Do you talk about the vaccine? Politics? Afghanistan? Whatever the hot topic is? What consumes your thinking? What consumes your conversation? You say, what does this have to do with evangelism? In Acts chapter number four, Acts chapter number four, verse 18 through 20. <clears throat> y'all remember, y'all remember when, when, when Peter and John in chapter number three healed the lame man going into the temple. How many of y'all remember that? Say amen. amen. Healed the lame man going in there. There was a big, a big to do about it because this man's been lame since birth. And, and, and so there's a big uproar about it and they were running and they came and they, they took Peter and John and arrested him and said, what are you doing? Preaching in Jesus's name, teaching in Jesus name. And they threatened them and said, don't be preaching and teaching in Jesus's name anymore. We don't even want to hear his name mentioned in all of the city. How many of y'all remember that? Now this is the response. This is the response. Acts 4, 18 through 20. And they called them and commanded them not to speak at all nor teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said unto them, whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, you judge that, he says. But watch this. Let's all read together. For we... Let's all read it again. 
For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. They said, don't speak in Jesus name anymore. He said, we can't help it. We've got to tell somebody. We have got to tell somebody what we've seen. We've got to tell somebody what we've heard. We've got to tell somebody what we've experienced. Do you know what? This was evangelism 101. You know, you want to know how to get them to say something about Jesus? Take your hand off of their mouth. And today, in the world we live in today, we, we can't get Christians to open their mouth with a hot shot. If y'all don't know what that is, that's a stick about this long with a battery on one end and prongs on the other. You do the math. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Amen. They couldn't, they couldn't get them to shut up. They threatened them and beat them and put them in jail, burned them at the stake, threw them to lions, did everything in the world to get them to stop talking about Jesus. But they said, you know what? We can't. We can't. You know why? It was in their heart. It, they couldn't help it. That's all they thought about. That's what bothered them the most. Paul says, I want to tell you about Jesus. My heart's desire in prayer for God is that they might be saved. Why? Because it bothers me that they're lost. I want to tell everybody about Jesus. I've got to tell them who Jesus is. And all God's people said. Amen. Now here's a problem. Here's a problem. Our hearts, we might have, we might have good intentions. We might have good intentions. I know mine. I believe it. I, I, I know, I know my people. We got good people. We got good people. There's a few shady ones, but most of all, y'all are pretty good. And I believe everybody wants to do well. And I believe everybody wants to do right. I do, without a question. And I believe we all have a desire to see people saved. Amen? Amen. And so what happens with our good intentions? Have you ever, y'all know the phrase, the road to hell is paved with. Good intentions don't get it. Sometimes our heart can be swayed one way or another and our heart can be affected There can be things that affect our heart. And really, this first point is really the Mac Daddy, the most important one out of all three points. But the other two points are true. So I want to, I want to, usually I'll get the one that's most prone to my heart first. That way, if I run out of juice, I can do it at the end. Say amen. Amen. So I want you to really pay attention to this first point. All right. Now, flip the page, flip the page and we'll, 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 we'll start our outline here today. Okay. Now our heart, I want my heart to be right. I want my heart to be what it's supposed to be, but I got to understand there are some things that will affect my heart. There will be things that affect my thinking. It it will affect, uh, affect my affection. It will affect the direction of my heart. If you will, number one, number one, write this down. My heart is affected by what I pursue. My heart is affected by what I pursue. And I'm going to say this. I'm going to say this before we get into the verse. My heart is affected by what I pursue. I always had this idea. I always had this idea that I pursue what my heart is for. In other words, let's use the word passion, right? 
Usually when you think about heart, you think about passionate. Uh, if somebody's very passionate about something, boy, he's got a heart for it. Boy, his heart is in that. Can we all agree on that? Can, using that terminology? And I always had the impression thinking that, that, that my, my, my pursuit will be determined by my passion. In other words, that, that I will pursue whatever it is that I'm passionate about. How many of y'all think that sounds logical? But guess what? That's totally wrong. That's totally wrong. And in one way, and in one way, I can explain this. I never pursued, or excuse me, I was never passionate about coon hunting. You know why? I've never been. I was not born with a passion for coon hunting. I didn't tell him when I got was a toddler in, in, in grade school, can I please have a coon dog? I'd never been. Do you realize I didn't get passionate about it till I started? I, didn't, I wasn't passionate about golfing. Matter of fact, I grew up redneck. We made fun of those that did. I mean, literally, I know, you, I know, I'm telling you, we made fun of people that were running around playing pasture pool. And then I hit the golf ball one time and I thought, well, I kind of like that and started playing a little bit and watch this. And the more I played, the more passionate I got and the greater desire I had to do it. Now, preacher, what we done heard about the coon hunting, we done heard about the golf. What in the world has it got to do with evangelism? Do you realize I was not passionate about soul winning or sharing my faith till I started doing it? Some of us are sitting on our backside waiting for the passion. Waiting for God to hit them with this great desire. Waiting for the, the God to just give them a passion. Oh, God, give me a passion and a desire while you sit. It don't work. It abs- I, I'm just telling you from my own experience. I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm just telling you from my own experience. When Brother Dave Gibson came and shared what he shared and, and I started practicing this stuff, Man, I can't wait to do it now. I can't wait to do it now. And, and, and listen, I'm passionate. I'm way more passionate about it than I've ever been. You know why? Because I've been doing it. Everywhere. Every person. Doesn't matter. If I run into them, we're going to talk about it. Do you have a minute? Can I share this with you? Depending on the time we have, depends on what they get out of the deal. Say amen. But I'm telling you, I never had that. I never had that till I started actually pursuing it. And guess what? The first few times was scary as all get out. And I didn't want to do it. But I felt I had to do it because I knew they'd ask me if I did it when I got back to church. That's that's the God's truth. But you know what? Since I've been pursuing it, since I've been chasing it, man, my passion has greatly increased. Now, here's the thing. Say, preacher, what what has this got to do with this point? Look here. My heart is affected by what I pursue. Watch what Paul says. Watch what Paul says. First Corinthians 11, one. Be followers of me. Be followers of me, even as I also am of 
Now, what is Paul saying there? He says, I want you to follow me because I am. Come on, everybody, because I am. And that word, that, it's, you know, the word follow here is, is the Greek word is where we get our, our English word mimic. Mimic, to mimic someone, to copy them. In other words, I want you to mimic me. I want you to copy me as I am mimicking Christ, as I am copying Christ. Follow me, pursue me as I'm pursuing Christ. You remember what, you remember what he told, uh, uh, what, what he told Timothy? He said, that which thou hast learned of me, commit thou to faithful men that they may be able to teach others also. He tells us in Philippians, he tells us in Philippians, that's what you have seen and learned and heard in me. Do, do pursue it. He's saying, I'm pursuing Christ. I'm pursuing. Say that with me. I'm everybody say that I'm. Now watch this. Why, why is that significant to hear? Look what he says this. Philippians chapter 3 verse 10. He said that I may, what's that word? Know. know him. This is Paul speaking about Christ. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. He's saying, I want to know Christ. I want to know his power, the power that raised him from the dead. I want to know that power that gives me uh, the ability to overcome temptation, that gives me the ability to share and gives me the ability to witness and to soul win and share my faith. I want to know that power. Not only, verse 12, not as though I'd already attained Either we're already perfect, but I, what's that? Everybody, but I, I follow after if that I might apprehend for which also I am apprehended of Christ. That's a really difficult way of saying my goal is Christ's goal. Now, what was Christ's goal? You remember Romans 8, 28, for all things work together for good to them that love the Lord, to them that are called according to his purpose. What is his purpose? For whom he did foreknow, he did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. Paul is saying this, Christ's goal for me is for me to be Christ-like. And so I am following after Christ to attain the goal that Christ has for me is to be Christ-like. He says, I haven't already attained. He said, this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, I press toward the mark. You know what he's saying? I'm pursuing. I'm following after. I am seeking. I am desiring. I am going after Christ. How did he have a heart for souls? How did he have a heart for sinners? Because he was chasing Christ. He was pursuing Christ's likeness. And the closer he got to Christ, the more passion he had for souls. Are y'all with me? How do you know that? Well, look what it says. He says in 1 Corinthians 11, 1, be followers of me, even as I also am of. So can we, can we say, can we, can we say that means he was following Christ? Could we agree on that? Now watch this, Matthew 4, 18, Matthew 4, 18. And Jesus walking by the sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon called Peter and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea for they were. And he saith unto them, come on, everybody. He saith unto them and. Huh? What was Paul? Y'all a little slow. 
What was Paul? Can we say Paul was probably pretty good at it? Now, why was he fishing for men? Because he was following Christ. What did Christ do? He's a fisher of men. I'll see where I'm going. You see, his heart was greatly affected. The reason he could say, my heart's desire, my heart's desire and prayer for Israel that he might be saved. Oh, he had such a burden. Romans 9, Romans 9 says this. He said, I could wish, I have such a heaviness and a sorrow in my heart. I could wish myself accursed if my brethren could be saved. He could say that because he was following Christ. And the closer he got to Christ, the greater burden he had for souls. He wasn't pursuing fame. He wasn't pursuing wealth. Matter of fact, he said, I lost everything. You got to understand, Paul was a very wealthy person, very popular person. I mean, he was way up the ranks in society. And he said, I lost it all to pursue Christ. But you know what he said about that? You know what he said about that? He said, I count it but dung. If you're not sure what dung is, look it up. Y'all with me? It was nothing. It meant nothing. You know why? Because he was pursuing Christ. You know what? I believe the closer we get to Christ the more we're going to have the desires that he had. Does the Bible not say that let this mind be in you, which was also in. That means think the way he thought. Do what he did. Act the way he acted. Man, he fished for men. And you know what? That's what Paul did. He had a heart's desire. And I truly believe with all my heart. He could say, I have a heart's desire to see people saved because of his pursuit. He said, I follow after. I press. Can you see the verbiage there? I press toward the mark. He said, I want to know him. I, I want Christ more than anything. And because of that, it affected his heart. He had a heart for souls. And all God's people see it. Listen, I believe with all my heart what we pursue affects our heart. Turn with me to Luke chapter 12. We got time. Luke chapter 12. I want to kind of prove this. I was just going to give you the one verse. <clears throat> I really was. But boy, when you put it all together, it just has so much more impact. Somebody, somebody came to Jesus. Somebody came to Jesus and wanted Jesus to settle a domestic dispute. <clears throat> he wanted his brother, somehow or another, they were fussing over an inheritance, over money. And it says in verse 13, Luke chapter 12, verse 13, if you're there, say amen. amen. Everybody still good? We good? Everybody good? And one of the company said unto him, Master, speak to my brother that he divide the inheritance with me. And he said unto him, man, who made me a judge or a divider over you? And he said unto them, now use this as an opportunity to teach. He says, take heed and beware of covetousness. 
For a man's life consists not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. And he spake a parable. Well, he said, well, now listen to this story. The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentiful. And he thought within himself saying, what shall I do? Because I have no room to where to bestow my fruits. He said, this is what I do. I'll pull down my barns and build greater. And there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. And then who shall those things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. How foolish is it to spend all your waking days for something that will never go past death. And he said unto his disciples, therefore, He's using this story to show them the foolishness of only thinking about what's temporary. And then he says, therefore, I say unto you, take no thought for your life. Take no thought. Don't worry about it. Don't ponder on that. Don't, don't, don't lose sleep over what ye shall eat, neither for the body, what ye shall put on. The life is more than meat and the body is more than raiment. Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap, which neither have storehouse nor barn, but God feedeth them. How much more are ye better than the fowls? And which of you taking one thought can add to his stature one cubit? If ye then be not able to do that thing which is least, why take ye thought for the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow, they toil not, they spin not. And yet I say unto you, that Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. If then God so clothed the grass, which is today in the field and tomorrow is cast into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O ye of little faith? Now, here we go. Here we go. Everybody read with me. Verse 29. And seek, not come on, everybody help me now. There's a few of you. There's only a few. So I need you to be that much louder. All right. Make it, make it act like there's a hundred thousand people in here. Okay, here we go. And seek not what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, neither be ye of doubtful mind. For all these things do the nations of the world, what? Seek after. And your father knoweth that ye have need of these things. But everybody, verse 31, but rather seek ye the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added unto Verse 34, let's read it. Verse 34, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. You know what he's doing? He's telling people, don't spend your life pursuing temporary things. Don't spend your life consumed consumed with seeking after Now this doesn't mean, oh, let's all just quit our jobs. Well, that's, that's contrary to scripture. That's not what he's saying. He's not saying you don't have to work. He's not saying, but this, he's saying what you're living for, what you where your heart is, is it consuming your life? He said, don't seek those things. Don't pursue them. 
They will come. If you will pursue me, if you will pursue my will for your life, if you will seek after the kingdom, I will make sure you're taken care of. That's what he's saying. That's what he's saying. Are you pursuing Christ? Is he first in your life? How did Christ live on this earth? How did Christ live while he was here on this earth? He said, I have meat to eat that you know not of. Y'all remember that? You remember at, in John chapter number four, we, we, we've been in that couple weeks here in the last few series. I have meat to eat that you know not of. My meat is to do the will of the father who sent me. That's what he lived for. That's what he breathed for. That's what he sought after. That's what he pursued. Jesus pursued the will of his father. So that when it came time for him to die, when it came time for him to die in that great prayer chapter, he said, I fulfilled all of your will. I've done it all. I've completed the work. Can we say we're pursuing him? Can we say we get up in the morning and say, God, I want your will to be done in my life. God, I submit to your Holy Spirit, whatever you tell me to do. I want more than anything to be in your will. I want more than anything to be obedient unto you. I want more than anything, more than air itself to be obedient to what you'd have me do today. Are you seeking him? Are you pursuing him? Is he the most important thing in your life? Because I'm telling you. What you pursue will affect your heart. What you pursue will affect the passion that you have. You will talk about it the most. It will bother you the most. It will consume your thinking. Can y'all see this? Listen, what you pursue. And let's look at the negative. If you're consumed... With things of this world, if you're consumed with politics, if you're consumed with hobbies, if you're consumed with money, if you're consumed with getting, 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 if you're consumed with things, sin, wickedness, disobedience, it's going to affect your heart. You're not going to have a heart for souls. You're not going to have a passion to be obedient to Christ. Because all you're going to do is think about. And sadly, it's because it's temporary. You can't love the world and God at the same time. You just can't. Ask yourself, what do I think about the most? What do I talk about the most? What is most valuable to me? Is thy heart right with God? My heart is affected by what I pursue. Number two, my heart is affected by what I consume. Ooh, we got to hurry. My heart is affected by what I consume, what I watch or listen to. I... This don't, this, don't, this don't take a rocket scientist to figure this out. What you listen to, what you ingest, what you download on your brain greatly affects how you think. I was working, this is a, just a small, this is just a small illustration. I was working with a crew and the dude listened to blues music all the time. I mean, he just loved blues music. He was the biggest Delbert McClinton fan I think there ever was on the planet. 
But how many of y'all know blues music make you want to drink something? I ain't never had a beer in my life, but I wanted a six pack when I got through at the end of the day. It was depressing. I mean, literally, it was all day long. It just, man, this person left his, you know, and his wife walked out and she cheated and just, it, dear Jesus. One day I brought my own CD. <clears throat> and I made sure and got there early before everybody got there. So I had, I had uh, access to, the, to the, uh, the, the radio, the CD player. And I had an old, some of y'all probably don't even, have never even heard of this group, but it's a, 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 a dad gummit, my mind just went blank. Rollins, Rollins. Remember the Rollins, Travis? Uh, and, and I'm telling you what, it, it, that, that CD would make the hair stand up on your neck. I mean, it had some of the best gospel music you ever heard in there. And I put that baby in there and turned it wide open. And it changed everything. Changed the moves. I mean, it just, the way people talk to each other. I mean, these are all sinners, hoodlum sinners. But it changed everything. What you download into your brain will affect your heart. Let me me prove it. What you're watching on TV. Look what it says. Lamentations 351. Everybody read. Mine. Say it again. That means what you're watching affects your heart. What you're downloading. I, I was, how many, how many of y'all, anybody in here uh, listen to music while you exercise? Got, got earphones in? You know, you try to get upbeat stuff, you know, and I, I was listening to some upbeat stuff that, that probably shouldn't have been listened to. And, and so I kind of got convicted about it. And so I changed it over to uh, um uh, the, the podcast that Dave Gibson was on, I said, man, I need, I need to be listening to something more spiritual than this. And not that it was bad, didn't happen, to, but it was, it, anyway. And I started, I started listening to this podcast and man, it completely changed what I was thinking about. It completely changed what I was feeling. The more I heard him talking about winning souls and sharing our faith and, and the things he got, the more excited I got and the more I wanted to go do what I was. It completely changed my heart. Preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying this. Maybe we need to start cutting back on some of the stuff we're ingesting. Maybe we need to turn some channels and maybe, maybe we need to change some radio stations. Maybe we need to start getting some, uh, it, listen, I, I'm not saying it's always got to be music. Maybe it's just instead of, instead of watching the news, uh, you know, it's, we're a mess. So let's just say we're a mess and, and let's start listening to something positive. Let's learn. I, I've heard this. I, well, I don't, I don't know how to share my faith. Well, get a podcast that teaches you how. I'm tired of that excuse. That, that, that dog ain't going to hunt no more because we've done, we've done, done several trainings here and you can go to our website and listen to it. And if you want to learn how to do it, I'll sit personally with you and teach you how. You can go with me and we'll sit at a restaurant and I'll show you how and then I'll watch you do it. Okay. So let's throw that out. Some of us are living in depression because of what we're watching and what we're listening to. Are y'all with me? I ain't going to linger there because we're running out of time, but you get it. It's amazing what will happen if you start listening to positive stuff. 
How you know that? Does the, did we not just read that verse? As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. If you think positive, you're going to be positive. If you think negative, you're going to be negative. But guess what? What you ingest will determine what you think. Are y'all with me? Say amen. amen. All right. Yeah. Amen. That's good, preacher. You just keep right on there. Plow right there. Drop the plow. Amen. Number three. Let's hurry. Let's hurry. Y'all just loving this. So let's hurry. Number three. My heart is not only affected by what I pursue. My heart is affected by what I consume. Be careful what you watch and listen to. Look what it says in, in, in number two. Let me give you that last verse four, jump to three. Second Peter two, seven, eight. And the Bible says, and he delivered just lot vexed with the filthy conversation. Word conversation means behavior of the wicked. For that righteous man dwelling among them in seeing and hearing vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. This is talking about Lot when he was living in Sodom and Gomorrah. Vexed means to torture. In other words, him seeing the wickedness around him affected his heart. And we all know what happened to him. We all know his his life was a train wreck. Are y'all with me? Say amen. amen. Number three, my heart is affected what, by what I pursue. My heart is affected by what I consume. Number three, my heart is affected by whom I abide. Who am I hanging with? Who am I spending the most time with? Be careful who you hang with people. First Corinthians fifteen thirty three, Be not deceived. Evil communications, and the word communications there is, is the English word we means companionship. Be careful who you're companions with. Be careful who you're spending a lot of time with. Because evil communications corrupt what? Good manners. Good manners. See, Grandma was right, wasn't she? You see, birds of a feather will flock together, but they'll fall together too. Look, Proverbs 23, 19. Hear thou my son. What's this got to do with our heart? Watch now. Hear thou my son and be wise and guide thine heart in the way. Be not among what? Wine bibbers, among righteous, riotous eaters of flesh. For the drunkard and the glutton shall come to poverty and drowsiness shall clothe a man with rags. Don't expect to be sober if you just hang around drunk. Don't expect to be a soul winner if you don't know any. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm ashamed to say this for how long I've been in ministry and how long I've been in, in church. But I'm telling you, hanging around Dr. David Nelms and Dave Gibson has tr- unbelievably changed me. Some of y'all wish I'd never met him. <clears throat> but I'm telling you, Riding in the, in, the, in the car with them, seeing them around other people, standing at a, a, a motel desk and just watching them share their faith. Brother Dave Nelms, I mean, he's just an awesome dude. Sitting there watching him share with people and thinking, and man, all that did was motivate me. Man, I want to do that. I want to be like that. I want to share my faith like him. 
I want to, I want to, I want to be that. I want to pursue that. You know what? It seems like the more time I spend with him, the more I want to do it. Listen, if all you hang around is negative, pessimistic people, if all you hang around, watch this now. I'm not even going, I'm not even going to tell you to hang around Dave now and Dave Gibson is just fringe, the fringe church goer. The one that's not committed, the ones that's not sold out, the hit and the miss. The more you hang around the hit and the miss, the more you're going to hit and miss. And before long, you're going to miss more than you hit. Don't be doing that. Be careful who you're spending time with. I, I, and this is a totally secular, this was a totally secular motivational speaker. He said, how many of y'all want to be millionaires? And man, everybody in the room raised their hand. He said, how many of them do you know? Everybody looked at each other. He said, poor people are poor because they do poor people stuff. Rich people are rich because they do rich people stuff. And poor people do poor people stuff because all they ever do is hang around poor people who do the poor people stuff. I know what you're thinking. Oh, if I just just had that, you could take all the money from the rich people and give it to the poor people. In five years, all the rich people would have it back. Because the poor people are going to keep doing poor people stuff. That's why they stay in poor. You may not like that, but that's your motivational speech for the month. <laughs> Travis, am, am, I, am I on track? You hang around people that cuss all the time, you're going to be cussing. I don't care how long you've been saved. You hang around people that's upbeat and praising the Lord all the time, you, you, get, you can't help it. It's contagious. You remember, you remember, you remember when, when Judas complained about the woman who broke the expensive alabaster box, that very costly ointment anointed Jesus, and he had a problem with it. He said that could have been sold and given to the poor, but we know that was a lie because he's a thief. He just wanted the money. But you know what happened? You know what happened when he said that? All the rest of them started saying, yeah, that's what it says. It's contagious. Be careful who you're hanging with. I'm not saying, I'm not saying you ostracize your, your lost sinner friends because we got to reach them. But I'm saying this, you need to be hanging with Christians more than you're hanging with sinners. You need to have people that will challenge you. And listen, iron sharpeneth iron. You need people that will hold you accountable. Hey, who'd you share with today? And all God's people see it. Let me give you these last three since I'm out of time. I'm not going to charge you for these because we're in the red. Number one, check your heart. Check your heart. This is conclusion, by the way. I didn't put conclusion there because I run out of paper. It would have been off the paper. So if you want to write conclusion there somewhere. Psalm 139, 23. Search me, O God. And what? 
Any of y'all brave enough to ask God to do that? You think you got a good heart. You think your heart's where it needs to be, but ask God, let him tell you. Because he'll be honest with you. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. See if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. So what's number one? Everybody? Number two, renew your heart. Renew your heart. Psalm 51.10 says, create in me a clean heart. Means to renew. Put it back where it was. This is David's repentance chapter, by the way. If y'all remember, when he messed up with Bathsheba and God had to confront him on it and he's trying to make things right. Creating me a clean heart. You know what David was saying? Man, put it back where it was. I want that joy back. Because he did say that too. Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. Right? Look, renew my heart. Check my heart. Renew my heart. Number three, then guard your heart. Guard your heart. Proverbs 4.23, keep thy heart with all diligence. For out of it are the issues of life. The word keep there means to guard. What, 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 do, we, what do we take from that? <clears throat> what do we take from that conclusion? Everybody stand so you know I'm serious. Everybody stand. Everybody stand. What do we take from that conclusion? Well, number one, we need God to help us see where we're at. Do I have a right heart, Lord? Am I pursuing you more than anything else? Are you most important to me than anything else? Then when he tells you, that's when we say, God, fix it then. Fix it. Put a new heart in there. If my my old heart ain't right, put a new one in there. If my old desires are not right, put new desires in there. If my old ambitions are not right, put new ambitions in there. If, 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 if my old dreams are not right, put new dreams in there. Fix it, Lord. And then when he does, and he will, guard it. God, be careful. Satan's after your heart. Satan's after your heart because, because listen, you're, you're going to go where your heart goes. You're going to spend money where your heart is. You're going to spend time where your heart is. Your focus, your thinking is going to be where your heart is. Guard it. Be careful what you listen to. Be careful what you ingest, what you download. Be careful who you're hanging out with. Guard it. Because it's very easy to let the worldly things slip in. And all God's people say it. I want everybody to know. Is everybody listening? Is everybody listening? It was as hard for me to share this as it was for you to hear it. But it was needed. Because I have to say I agree with Dave Gibson. It's a heart problem. It's a heart problem. 
If we can agree in the survey that 80% believe with all their heart that we are supposed to be sharing our faith, but the majority of us are not, then it's a heart problem. The song says, is thy heart right with God? If it's not, it can be. It can be. And all God's people say it.